2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast. on black and white and red all over. I'm your host Danny coming to you for episode number 80, a nice round number. And if you want to listen to this episode number 80 and our 79 previous ones and a few other special editions like our book chat with Chuck's, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and rate us and review us and all this good stuff, and I try not to repeat what I'm saying here because I always struggle with this part of the intro, so let me get out of it. Sam Lepressi, hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? Happy New Year. Obviously great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, were you about as over-served as Andy Cohen was on uh, on New Year's Eve, or are you still trying to work that off? Or... No, I was actually
2: working on New Year's Eve, so I, I could not partake.
1: That was that was as a New Yorker, that was just fun yes. to to watch when he just like straight up shredded Bill De Blasio, who by the way is a Napolitano, So you know, you, one more reason
0: uh, to
2: say. Screw well, him. you are, um, are forecasting what we're about to. Yes, you're, indeed. We're yes, teasing. That's called what a foreshadowing. We were yeah,
1: right. yeah uh, but also just to see Anderson Cooper being like, no, 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 don't, no, 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 oh no, no. <laughs> That was that that was that was the moment of my New Year's Eve.
2: <laughs> Some somebody who I can guess was probably a little more sober than Andy Cohen. Chucks, hello, Chucks.
0: Oh yes, yeah, I don't drink very much, and uh, <laughs> frankly, I mean, we uh, we sleep through New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, we don't really do all this stuff. I don't know. I I guess you get older, and you're just like, yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Anderson Cooper. I just listened to an interview with him uh, on a podcast, and super interesting guy. I never knew he was really that interesting very very fascinating guy so um yeah pretty cool pretty cool guy. so yeah then happy new year of course (laughs) thank you chuck (laughs) (laughs) you you get you gain my blessing
2: there we go last but not least sergio hello sergio how was your new year's eve
3: hey fellas happy to be here uh it's pretty calm pretty chill actually i just kind of stayed stayed home uh i'm working through through a cold right now Which is now scary because of COVID. So now every time you have like even the mildest symptoms, like you have to go running to get a test and it just, like people forget we had colds before. Like that's a thing that happens. Like not necessarily everything is COVID now, but yeah, other than that, it was, it was fine. It was a nice, nice chill evening. Was that chill because of the cold or just because you kept it low key? Oh no, low key. Like it's Mexico. (laughs) We never really get that cold.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, as Sam forecasted, we will start out this week's episode talking about Juventus's first game right out of the block in January. And oh boy, if you haven't looked at the schedule in January over the last few days with Juventus not playing during the holiday break, it is uh it is quite quite the test both on the domestic front and also the domestic cup front. So we will start obviously with the first game, and that is against Napoli as Sam mentioned with Bill de Blasio's rooting interest potentially. And it is something I think we can all agree on that. It is good to see Juventus getting good news in terms of Paulo Dybala and Federico Chiesa coming back to training this weekend. It is bad news where Giorgio Chiellini is as of recording, one of three senior team players currently in isolation because they tested positive for COVID with Carlo Pensorio and Artur being the other two. And I think it's safe to say at this point, as we've been saying for what feels like months now, big game against another top four rival, it's must win because Juventus need points, right?
1: Yeah, I think, especially home game, first game out of the new year, first game of the Ritona. And yeah, Juve need these points, but it's also, I think, a must win. And and sometimes a break like the Christmas break can arrest this form, but Napoli have really been tanking lately. Napoli had a really bad run into Christmas: two wins, one draw, three losses in in December, including a loss to Spezia, a loss to Empoli, and only one of those wins was in was domestically; the other one was against Leicester in in Europa League play. So yeah, Napoli have Napoli are not coming in on a high. Uh, they're going to have a couple guys missing due to COVID. And also for Napoli, this is, this is a big game for Napoli, too, when you think that they are losing Koulibaly and uh, who's the midfielder? Um, Anguissa to AFCON right after this game. So, you know, they're going to be shorthanded for a couple of weeks once this game is over. So for them to add some cushion against Juve is going to be a big deal. And then you're looking again at the fact that they are down Victor Oshiman. Who just whenever they don't have him in the lineup seems it seems to make them much much less potent a force, you know. Luciano Spalletti either having to go false nine with Martins or or throw Andrea Patania out there. So this this is a this is a vulnerable Napoli team right now. They're certainly not coming into this in the best of uh, in the best of shape, and it's it's the kind of game where you have to take advantage and you have to hit hard. And, and maybe that'll turn your own momentum around because lose this game, frankly, even dropping points in this game is just going to be, man, it's going to be such a, it it would be such a letdown coming out when, when in over the last two games before the Christmas break, you've actually managed to worm your way back into legitimate striking distance for the top four you know only for you're only four points back you're only five points behind napoli so you've you've got to come out of this swinging and you've got to hit hit this hard because otherwise otherwise you're right back into a situation where where you're probably looking at at the champions league as a as a as as less than possible
0: and it's really quite incredible that, you know, I've repeated this multiple times, of course, so don't want to beat on dead horse too much, but it's really quite incredible thinking about the horrible start we had to the season, and yet still we're only four points off fourth place, uh, Atalanta. Um, you know, Juve right now on 34 points after 19 games and Atalanta um, on 38 after 19, and Napoli just uh, one point ahead there in 39. So, you know, even despite just the, yeah, trials and tribulations of the first uh what is it, four or five, six games or so of the season. Uh, we're very much in it for fourth place uh, Finished, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been so optimistic uh, about a month or two ago, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a must-win game just because it's against direct competitor for um, that fourth place. If we beat them, um, we'll be on 37 and uh, just two points off Napoli then. And, well, presumably Atlanta will win, so then Atalanta will jump. Napoli and, uh, yeah, put some real pressure on Napoli to miss out on a uh, – or, well, I mean, be in a bit of a tougher spot for getting uh, top four, which, uh, yeah, it's quite quite surprising given how they started the season with, I think it was like, what, seven games? The first seven games they won or something like that, one of their best starts. Yeah, they, they were the one of season. the
2: hottest teams to start the season. Easy.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, they were – I mean, they were <laughs> really, really just – I mean, scoring and not just winning, I mean, conceding very little, uh, very few uh, goals um, as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just shows that, um, I mean, the terrible cliche of, you know, the season is really 38 games long. So it's, yeah, I mean, of course, the early, uh, the early form is important, but I mean, it's still so much to happen. Even now, you know, even now there's still so much to happen that, I mean, Lord knows we're, exactly halfway through the season. And I mean, there's so much still that can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was trying to kind of figure out exactly which players were missing for Napoli. It was a little difficult. I was uh, doing some research kind of before this and uh, just while you were talking, Sam. So from what I understand, um, I was trying to figure out if the um, AFCON players were going to be leaving just before or just after the Juve game. So I was a little, still a little confused about that, but yeah, indeed. I mean, they have a uh, few COVID, a few players out with COVID, a uh, few players still in isolation, from what I understand as well. It's indeed. It's Oshimen, uh, Almas, and um, I'm hearing Lozano also has to isolate due to contact um, with a positive case as well. Um, and it's reading from Football Italia as well. Um, Insigne and Ruiz. Um, recently recovered it says uh, recently re- recovered from the virus but they are likely to be in poor physical condition they're missing a number of uh, training sessions so um, yeah I mean it's going to be a little I mean I really don't know what lineup they're going to have I don't really know who's going to be available so um, just yeah a lot of uncertainty around this game uh, yeah who knows you know what's going to happen there of course on the Juve front it's just was it Artur, Pinsolio and Chiellini if
2: you go to the Gazzetta dello Sport lineup predictor, this is somewhat amusing. Although, it, I mean, I guess if it was Juventus, it wouldn't be so amusing. But if you look at what they predict Napoli's bench will look like just in terms of senior squad players, Napoli are down so many guys that they have all of four players available on their bench or could have four players available on their bench. Two of them are backup goalkeepers. So as you mentioned, Chuck, you look at it, you know, you've got, Ozuna out with COVID, and obviously he had. As we were talking beforehand, he had his injury struggles as well. Kudibali Afcon, and Guisa Afcon, Victor Onis Afcon, Elmas COVID, uh, Lozano COVID. They got a lot of guys, and yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's, it's that, not and great. That
1: you, and that has an effect. You remember the the game against AC Milan at San Siro last year one of the biggest deciding factors in that game with uh when Juve won was the fact that Milan had a bunch of guys out that game their bench was really short and eventually the eventually Juve just outlasted them and had better guys to come out on the bench to change the game that's a huge uh deciding factor when it comes down to it you know if if Juve managed to avoid more more positive cases uh between now and and Thursday that's a that's an enormous advantage going
3: in Yeah, I think the good thing about this early month of Juve games is that we're going to know very quickly if this team has any shot in the remainder of the year. And I like that because not to to make a comparison to another sport, but very early on in this football season, I knew that my Denver Broncos were mediocre. And it's just one of those things that's like, okay, like I know that for a fact. So you can very much stop caring and i think it's going to be the same thing right now for for juventus i mean when you look at their schedule you have napoli you have roma you have udinese and you have milan in the league so that's pretty much three direct competitors for those top four spots that's you know three out of four pretty decent teams with udinese there and and as they've shown they can lose to anyone so i mean it it really is going to be very clear I think after January whether or not this team you know is going to get anywhere in the league and even in in cup play they they have the first their first cup game against Sampdoria which is technically should be a a manageable game but again like they can lose to anyone so it, it wouldn't shock me if we're sitting here in early February and they're out of the Copa they're you know pretty much out of anything remotely resembling a a title run or even a top four run by the end of January. So we're going to like, we really are going to see who this team is once and for all. I think if they come out of this month swinging, if they, if they beat Napoli, if they beat Milan, if, if, if they really go out there and, and, and show they have something, I think this is, this is where to do it. And, and even you have sweat sandwich there, the Supercoppa against inter Which, sure, the Supercopa, you know, some people care, some people don't. But that's still a game against Inter, Uh, you know, just for figuring out where you stand, I think is going to be important. So, yeah, this is to me, this is a make or break, not only a make or break game against Napoli, but to me, it's a make or break month. I I think we could very easily be sitting here on February just discussing, you know, where do Yubik go from here because they're out of pretty much anything. So it's definitely going to be an interesting game, an interesting month, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it so I I can know if I can check out emotionally from giving a crap about Juventus for the rest of the year.
2: And also the Supercopa, Sergio, that's very of interest to a certain Twitter name that you have had for the past year.
3: Yes, I am the type of person that cares about the Super Copa when we win. If we lose, it's, it's just whatever. It's like congrats on your tin fake Mickey Mouse cup. Like who cares? But if we win, then you know it's it's a turning point. I, I I'm really interested.
1: Just looking in this Napoli game, the the return of Federico Chiesa and what that means to the lineup. Remember, we had that Twitter question last week about, you know, how do you, how do you line up with a healthy, he is a healthy Dybala coming out of, out of the Christmas break. Now that, as you know, you put this, that the news bite up earlier today, Danny, that both of them are back in full training. It looks like they're going to be in the, the starting 11 heading into this game. And I am very excited to see what, if anything Max Allegri is going to do Tactically, now that he's kind of finally worked his way out of this this do, the doldrums of this four, four, two and into a more, you know, into the four four three threes that we saw at the beginning at, at the very end of December of the four two three one that we saw before DiBala got hurt again. Like a four, two, three, one with with Chiesa, DiBala, and I don't know, maybe maybe Quadrado on one side, Chiesa on the other. Maybe you put in the wings of Fede. There you and, go. Maybe, maybe you throw uh, I will, I was gonna say maybe you throw Moisa Kane out onto the left because he's been doing so well, that here's some more foreshadowing. We might not end up seeing that for the for, uh, at least in the immediate future because of a, of some some interesting transfer action. He's a man of January. he's a
2: man of teases today. That's I am. Person.
1: I am, I am. So so you may need Moise Kane up front in the in the striker position. But I, I really, really want to see what these new more these newer formations, which even though they haven't been producing goals by the absolute boatload, they have looked far more dynamic than anything that we saw in those, you know, in those first two, three months of the season. And I really want to see what these players can do when they're set up like this especially against a team like Napoli that is kind of reeling and, and may, and like you said, depending on, on the, the schedule for these players may or may not have Du Koulibaly at all. Uh, and, you know, with Costa's model, going back over to the to Olympiacos at the beginning of the transfer window. I'm not entirely certain who they are actually going to be starting at center back. If Koulibaly isn't there. Is like Rahmani, I guess, and who would be who would be pairing up with him?
0: Just gonna look. I thought was, am I correct in saying as uh, Juan Jesus is still? You are correct. Juan Jesus, yes. yeah, it would be one yeah. yeah, I
1: was yeah, gonna double scissors. check
0: that as I was looking at it, but um yeah. So uh, ding ding ding, I'm right. <laughs> but you you know you talk about the tactics, Sam, and I think one kind of tricky thing for this game as well for for Max pre- preparing for this game is like. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't know any better than we do who's even going to be available from Napoli's end. So then, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess he won't really know what they're going to play like. And if you don't know how your opposition is going to play, like how do you kind of prepare, I guess. And that's. Well, uh, hell he he
2: might not even know who's available on his own team. Well,
0: yeah, 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 true. You know, I mean, on the Kies and DiBala front, I mean, okay. So they've returned to full training. Uh, I mean, I, Doubt he would risk them, especially Dibala. I doubt he would risk them for, you know, um, right away. I mean, maybe a few minutes. I I don't know. I doubt, especially with the volume of games we're going to be playing over the next, uh, you know, six weeks or so. I would presume that we won't be seeing too much of them next Thursday. The game is Thursday. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to put my hopes out for that too much. So, yeah, but like I said, just in terms of preparation, you know, I w- it's quite a challenge for him just knowing, you know, how which players are even available for Napoli. And then, of course, for us, I mean, you know, between now and Thursday, it's still possible some people can, uh, you know, contract COVID. And um, I remember uh, Thomas Tuchel uh, with Chelsea was talking about this uh I listened to an interview of his, uh, I don't know, it was last week, the week before or something like that. Uh, he was visibly irritated. <laughs>
2: it wasn't the Lukaku interview, was it?
0: No, no, it wasn't that, although he's probably more <laughs> agitated about that. God, that's Yeah, I think he was very diplomatic in saying that was not, uh, what did he say, not useful or something else? I, I was like, that was very diplomatic. <laughs> he, also,
2: he also joked that uh, players are not allowed to have any more interviews. Oh, I mean, yeah. i'm well, guessing there yeah. was i, I would to that yeah
1: I, I, would, I would i would i certainly wouldn't i mean although you talk about a lack of self-awareness of a guy like lukaku i mean it makes me even more glad that we never actually that we never actually did the dibala lukaku swap in the first place because geez, goodness gracious goodness yeah, gracious yeah. that that's just a lack of, a, of that's a lack of self-awareness in in the worst way
0: yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, obviously Chelsea's problems are Chelsea's problems. But, um, yeah, no, Tucho, um in, in an interview, he was just really explaining in detail just, like, how his player selection and even to a degree his tactics. He, he was saying, like, you know, I'm not, I mean, paraphrasing a little bit here, but um, I'm barely able to, like, play a team that's like truly optimized for tactics and like really thoughtfully put down, I'm basically just playing whatever I can put together based on, you know, people being out due to COVID or uh, due to injury or just, um, yeah, he really just like, he was very transparent about this. He just said, you know, okay, we're at a hotel and then uh, we hear that some people uh, got COVID and then, okay, we have to isolate them. But then I've made tactics and preparations with those players. Now I have to change them and now everybody has to, you know, change, uh, like, eating schedules and stuff because, okay, these guys are out. And then, you know, he was just really going into detail about how, like, on a very logistical level, how much this affects uh, his job and just, you know, how the players are able to prepare for it. And especially mentally, like, how much it affects them just not being able to be, um, you know, just mentally fully onto the game. And uh, I thought it was just very useful, just a human perspective into, um, you know, how COVID... Um, it's just affecting players and 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 coaches as well. And anyway, again, I just say that to say you know with Allegri and then I guess to the, to the degree also with Spalletti, it's hard to make any types of predictions for this game just because of these types of disruptions uh, going on. But um, yeah, so you know, obviously I sympathize with them, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens on Thursday.
2: All right, well, Sam foreshadowed talk of certain Spanish strikers potentially not being around much longer, and I think to a lot of our surprise, the Alvaro Morata to Barcelona rumors have seemingly come out of nowhere because we know how much Morata really loves Juventus and obviously loves Italy in general, but for a guy I think who has been in so much uncertainty the last couple of years, whether it's uncertainty at Atletico Madrid or uncertainty at Juventus knowing just if he will actually be staying more than a year at a time going to Barcelona has i don't know I mean even though it's reportedly an 18 month contract that he's being offered is you know some sort of stability so i think as we've heard from the italian press and as we can pretty much put two and two together Morata ain't leaving unless Juventus gets a replacement and the names of potential replacements are pretty much who you would expect at this point because the Italian press tends to do that in terms of recycling names when it comes to striker transfers and Juventus. So first, I guess I'll throw out the question what do we think about Morata actually leaving? And as a follow-up question, how do we feel about any of these potential names actually arriving at Juventus? Like, is there a name out there that we, you, you're like, okay, this guy could actually help the team, and I will throw it first to Sergio Romero.
3: You know, it, it it feels really weird to be saying it, but yeah, I, you know, Morata, he has his issues. Uh, we we've discussed them in this pod in, in pieces, pretty much since he since he came back uh, for his second stint as a Juve player. He has his issues. He's inconsistent. as all hell. Uh, he can go through through cold streaks, uh, and and when he does that, he becomes a very very below average player. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that he is really he's still their best striker, like their best natural center forward. Moise Keen has shown flashes, but hasn't really shown that he can be the the guy uh, on a day to day basis. Gaia George, we've seen pretty much nothing from him. I mean, he's had a couple of chances. He's looked decent here and there, but there's not a lot of sample size there. So it just, it it really, it's really, really weird to me that of the names that might leave in a January transfer window, one of those is Moratas, which which leads me to believe that it is because he wants out. And honestly, I, I don't blame him necessarily because the writing is on the wall for him. I think Pretty much, you know, every report that we've seen, and, and just because of the, the financial situation for Juve, I think it's pretty much a done deal that he's not going to get, you know, that clause to buy him outright is not going to get activated. Could Juventus figure out a way with Atletico Madrid down the road to make a, you know, a cheaper deal or something? Maybe, but it doesn't really seem like Juve is interested in keeping him long term. So I guess I can kind of see his interest in you know if, if if he's going to be moving on, might as well get on it right now. Especially in, in Barcelona, where they don't really have a center forward like a big time center forward either. That's a decent spot for him. It's just it really came out of the clouds, and and just because of that, I don't even know if if Juventus were budgeting for it. I, I really think that th- this might have even blindsided them because immediately the rumor mill was the same names that always get thrown out there that have been getting thrown out there for like years now. It's like Mauro Icardi. It's like now Aubameyang. It's like the same Kamaka. It's like the same three dudes that we've been hearing for like years now. So it's it's just, it still feels like a long shot just because it's going to be very complicated to negotiate it between three teams. And then Juve has to bring in someone it feels like a long shot. With that being said, if it really is Morata pushing for the move, if it you know compromises the integrity of the locker room moving forward, maybe you know he forces a move, but I, I just you know, if, if I were to put my money on something, I think Morata remains until the, the end of the season and, and they let him go back to Atlético Madrid. I, I think that's how it's all going to unfold. But but who knows? Because it really is something that came out of left field. One of those winter break and you know slow news day, and they make this up. But it apparently has some wheels to it. I mean, reliable sources are reporting it. So who knows? It still feels like a long shot to me. But I mean, weirder things have happened. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what how Juve you know figure this one out.
1: Yeah, it's all it's all about the likelihood of of a move actually happening. Like you said. They're not going to let him go if there's not a replacement on the roster. Getting a replacement is going to be fundamentally very difficult. I mean, putting aside the idea that Dusan Blavich is not leaving Fiorentina until the summertime. If he doesn't, he's going to the Premier League. Who do you want for for these guys? Who are you looking at on on these replacements? Like you said, Danny, Mauro Icardi, in the first place, if you look up the word distraction in the dictionary, you will find a picture of Mauro Icardi and Juan Manada standing together and staring at you. Second, and this is something that I've, I've repeatedly had uh, had discussions, if not arguments with people over various media forum, Mauro Icardi looks like he's washed. Like, he hasn't scored more than 12 goals in a league season since like 2017 his second to last year at at inter he's not there are no indications that he is that good anymore so you've got a guy who's bound to be a distraction on the um off the field hasn't really been doing much of anything on the field for years now uh and then you look into the fact that PSG apparently, for whatever reason, I have no idea why PSG need to somehow need a hundred million dollars and hundred million euros in transfer revenues, but th- th- that's something that I'm hearing a lot in the, the the media sphere these days is that they need like a bunch of transfer revenues in January and Juve is only ever going to be able to get a Cardio on loan. So they're not going to, that's not going to contribute much to, to what PSG might need from, from a sale. So that's another thing that 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 I don't think... You know, Aubameyang, older guy, again, kind of looking washed. He's having these problems with, with, with Arsenal. Skamaka looks like a better option as a replacement. He looks like more of a, of a guy that could make a contribution long term. I just don't think, you know. again, Juve doesn't have money, the money to make a 40 million, uh, forty million euro deal. And that's his price tag right now, which I think is way overinflated. But I've also seen Divac Origi's name thrown out there from from Liverpool because he's not getting minutes over there and Origi looks you know he, he looks good at once every once every two or three months with a good game and then he goes back to just being Divac Origi so yeah there, there isn't a lot to replace Monata with nothing that seems realistic as a move that said if it if it's going to cause real trouble and I don't that's the thing is that I I, I do think Monata like you said Sergio is looking for some semblance of stability. He knows the writing, like you said, is on the wall about, about his option. I don't think it's going to be picked up. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily blame him for wanting to, to put a more, to to put the net make, to start the next chapter of his career as quickly as he can in a much more stable way. But I do think he, like you said, Danny, he does love Juventus. He does have a lot of love for this team And I don't, if it doesn't get done, I don't think he'd turn it into, uh, I don't think he'd turn it into a situation. I I think he'd be professional and play it out, but we'll have to see what, what, what happens. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he gets played. Is he going to play against Napoli? Is he going to play in these big games in January? Is he going to be on the bench? Is he going to get frozen out? You know, if something like that happens, then that's a good indication of what might end up becoming of these rumors. But I just don't see the replacement coming in a realistic way to allow this transfer.
3: Yeah, and and I think the most the most important thing to me in my mind is that all of the proposed moves, I think you're you're in the same place as you are with Morata. I don't think your position improves a whole lot because Even if you, I think the latest reports were that Juventus were definitely looking for a a fee of some sort to, to, to let Morata go early. You know, let's say they get that fee, they just pretty much take it and give it to PSG to bring in Mario Icardi with another loan with option to buy. Like, is that really, like, are you in a better position with that? Not really. I don't think Icardi at this point is a whole lot of better than what Morata can bring to the table. You pretty much just substituted one striker that you're not going to buy in the summer transfer window for another one. So you're not really improving your position a lot. I don't, like probably Alba Mayang would be similar. I don't think it's going to be a super different deal. So it, it really feels like just switching one future problem for another future problem, like a very similar one at that. So to, to me, that, that signals that it, it's definitely, if there is a move to be made, I think Morata is pushing for it which is is kind of, I mean, I get it, uh, you know, if if they're pretty much telling you that they're going to, you know, send you on your way in six months, I get not being super happy with the management. I get not being super thrilled about just being a sitting duck. I, I kind of get it. But if this is it for for Morata, I guess it's kind of a bummer that that it, it's going to go down that way. I think he's kind of a fan favorite in, in a lot of ways. He's been part of, of a, lo- a lot of fun teams for Juventus, a lot of big goals. And, and and when he's on, he's still a really good striker. I'd rather keep Morata than any of the options that are being thrown around in, in the rumor mill. So it's, you know, th- that to me is the biggest thing. Like, I don't think any move they can make is going to A, make this team a whole lot better, and B, financially may put them in a better position. I, I think really is just a, a par for par. Uh, sort of switch. And I don't really see why Juventus would be inclined to do that.
0: Yeah. Like you guys said, I mean, you've really said it. The other options, frankly, aren't, aren't very uh, uh, encouraging, I should say. And yeah, won't really put us in any better position at all either. Uh, De- and also, Danny, as like you said in the article, uh, I think from yesterday or the day before, you know, you're dealing with three parties. Well, actually four uh, or no. Wait, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four parties now. Yeah. Well, Morata, Juve, Atletico, Barça. Um was, so
2: <laughs> You lost yeah. count at this point.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's uh man, a whole lot of legal fees being sloshed around. <laughs> um so yeah, you're dealing with four parties, which is uh yeah, quite the uh, yeah, logistical uh, logistical stuff to do. Yeah, and you know, I think just to add to what you guys have um, said and kind of not really uh, talked about yet, it's I mean I think Juve and, and myself included as well would have been all right with letting Morata go right now if if like Moisekin and kayu Jorge were like I mean on fire if they were like ballon or winning form or something you know if they were just banging in goals you know left right and center then then I think the club would have been like okay you know we got two really really hot strikers we can you know last with that till the end of the year and then like kind of re- reevaluate. Clearly, that's not the case. <laughs> we don't have that. So um, that obviously puts us in the, in the situation where, where we have one, I mean, good, like very, like good, yeah, striker, very good striker, good slash very good striker. And then one, yeah, Moise Keane, who's still kind of finding his feet. And yeah, another guy George who hasn't, frankly, gotten any opportunity to find his feet yet. So yeah, I mean, that just puts us in pretty in a position where you just don't have the luxury to let go of Morata at this time. Yeah. If we did, I'm sure we would have given just how he's been a good guy. He's a very professional. He's a very nice guy. I'm sure he would have, you know, done it out of goodwill to let him go. But you know, we have to make a deal. We have to look out for our own interests, obviously. I mean, you know, the management, that is the goal. <laughs> that is their, their you know prerogative. They have to look out for the best interests of the club. And I mean, letting him go, letting Morata go right now just wouldn't, you know, be in our best interests. And uh, and just one last thing I will add as well. And I mentioned this, I think, last week as well. I think this supposed, you know, move just emphasizes, um, again, how I think how much of a missed opportunity like Moise Akin is leaving like on the table. Like, you know, I said before that Morata, given his inconsistency, um, I mean, it's just there for the taking that number nine spot is there for the taking for Moisikin or even Kai George, but this even more so now with him potentially leaving, it just shows like, man, that number nine spot is there for the taking. Like it is just, you know, okay. First he had Ronaldo to compete with, but now, well, okay. Moisikin wasn't here then, but you know, when Ronaldo is there, okay. It's, it's, it's hard obviously, or, or like you mentioned, Divo Keleji, um, uh, Sam. Uh, I think he's a victim of just having two, well, three really amazing strikers uh, in front of him, which makes it hard. And I mean he plays quite well when he's subbed on, but yeah, he just I mean just has really good players in front of him. But that's not the case, you know, at Juve. So I mean it's just yeah I really wish yeah Moiskin or, or even Kai George could just, you know, really take that spot and make it theirs.
1: If if you have a, a guy like Icardi or Aubameyang coming in uh, it, it, as the you know the body that 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 replaces Murata on the death chart, you still do have to look forward in the summer, and you still do have to think. Juventus still are gonna really want Dusan Blavich, and they're still gonna try. They're still gonna try to make that move, and we're probably gonna see a bunch of. You know, we're probably gonna see a whole saga in the summer, the way we did with Locatelli. Of you know, there's gonna be a meeting, and there's gonna be another meeting, there's gonna be another meeting, and you know and but also especially you know there are rumor f- reports that i'm seeing rumors that i'm seeing obviously the level of 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 reliability can go up and down but we mentioned before the the stuff with romelo lukaku well if he's out at chelsea inter probably isn't in a financial position to bring him back especially since they're not going to be able to use the growth decree to get the break on the taxes for him because he he hasn't spent enough time away from Italy. He has to have been living away from Italy for two years, so that uh, a lot of reports I'm seeing are putting Tottenham in play for him and a reunite and a reunion with Antonio Conte. That takes Tottenham away as one of the major players in for the for Vlahovic, and does strengthen Juve's position a little bit. And what I'm trying to get at here is, assume you get Vlaovic in the summer at some in some way. You know, they, they get the formula right. Fiorentina makes the sale. There's a riot in Florence, as there always is when those ha- when, when those transfers happen. Tito blocks us for a couple of months. And then what happens to that guy that we get in January now? Now he is decidedly a second-string striker. Potentially, Juventus has spent a decent amount of money trying to get him in. So you've got, like like, that... A lot, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of long-term planning going on here in terms of, of, of what you, you know, what are you doing? What do you do? You know, how do you connect the January transfer window to the summer? How do, you, how do you make this all work? Well, that's why
2: Morata leaving throws everything out of, or potentially leaving, I should say, throws everything out of whack and into chaos. Really, because you just don't know how to bridge that gap between January and June to the end of the season and you know do they basically just say okay you know we'll we'll get a cardi for six months just because we need a body or do they actually try and plan and try and get somebody like skamaka and be like okay we can we can essentially test him out for six months and if we think he's good enough for for a, you know to pick up a buy option we can but i have to think with sassuolo's camp being the way they are they're not going to basically have it be an option i mean you would think they would want it to be an obligation because you know because look what just who, who knows it's that who
1: that summer 2021 like
2: yeah i mean who knows what what the hell uva's financial status is going to be you know we were talking we we talked earlier during or we i talked about it in the the supercopa thread earlier today is like look you know stadium capacity is going back down to 50 percent who knows how long that's going to be around. And if it even goes back up towards the end of the year, knowing what the the current state of the pandemic is. So it's, there are so many, so many question marks that come up because Morata might leave that it, it's,
1: it it could drive you mad. The good news when it comes to the stadiums is, I mean, I've the science that you're seeing, you know, South Africa has basically said that their Omicron spike has already peaked and that they're already on the downswing. So it might, Uh, And a lot of metric, you know, the U S is having a big, uh, you know, having a big problem with it right now, but a lot of modeling is saying that we might be, you know, only a few weeks away from the, from the, the, from the peak there. So it might be that Omicron kind of is, is, uh, is, is, is heavy, but quick, hopefully. I mean, obviously things can change because, you know, we've been saying this for two years, but it, but that, that is a huge deal, you know, moving the, you know, with, with dropping the capacity again, because the stadium is such a huge part of Juve's revenue. And until you can pack it in again, you know, the, the, the finances of the team are basically propped up by Exor. And Exor is not going to be funneling in a ton of money for Juventus to make transfers because they've got all their other sectors that are struggling because of this pandemic. You know, Exor's lost billions of euros already since the, since the pandemic began. So do do you take that? Do you take a swing now with with a guy like Skamaka for forty million when you're still looking to get a guy like Vlaovic, who let's be real is is better than Skamaka and is better than like all of the guys that are on this this list of to potentially replace Morata if this deal were to go through? Do do you use that money now and then still? And if you do, are you still in a position to be going after? For a guy like Vlaovic in the summertime,
3: and to me, that that's why it's so important to figure out what the what deal they can get right. Like if this goes through, honestly, and I know the vibes would be in an all-time low, but it just on the pitch, speaking on the pitch exclusively, you know, bringing in Mauro Icardi for six months or bringing in Alvarayán for six months with no obligation or whatever to buy him in the summer. I think Juve is in the same spot. I don't think the on-field production of Mauro Icardi at this point in his career is going to differ a whole bunch from what they're already getting uh, from Alvaro Morata. I really don't. Same goes for Aubameyang. I, I really think that just on the field, I don't think there's going to be a massive difference in, in what they get from that center forward position. If they can somehow manage to to figure out a way to just get that six-month loan, and, and let Morata go and maybe recoup a little bit of, or, or just, you know, be equal in terms of financials. I honestly don't have that much of a problem with it because you're stuck in the same spot. You know, you're still looking at a summer in which you need to get a center forward. You know, personally, I think Blachovic is a pipe dream. I just don't see us getting him by, I mean, you know, we're, we're like someone who still has a bunch of credit card debt and, and trying to figure out how to get a new car. Like, we all like we owe Manuel Locatelli, like we owe Federico Chiesa. Like we still like, you, you know, who our big summer transfers are going to be paying for those guys. Like, because they, that's just how, how it is. So I just don't, I think that's going to be a problem that is going to remain. So if, if, if you're still in the same position in the summer, I really have no issue with them letting Monata go and bringing one of those veteran guys and, and filling in for six months. But if, if that whole thing forces their hand and makes them have to invest big money on a guy that is going to be another short-term solution, if that, then I, I, at that point, I, I, really, I really think that they are in a tough, tough spot. But as long as it's a loan, I, I honestly don't, don't really mind buying low on, on, on Icardi or, or Yank you know, who knows, maybe they get a little bit career revival. I mean, but as long as it doesn't have to be with an obligation, a big financial commitment for the future, I really don't think that the team loses a whole bunch on the field in the short term.
2: Well, let's transition into our first Twitter question, basically going off of what we've just been talking about from at Ben Monte Farouk. And if I got that wrong, I apologize. The first question was, should you Uve offload Morata? And if yes, which replacement do you personally favor within... The likes of Aubameyang, Lacazette, Icardi, Cavani, Origi, Depay, anybody else since Vlaovic and Skamaka seem totally out of reach at the moment.
3: And out of those guys, I, I you know, I, I would have enjoyed Cavani. I think Cavani still has, uh, He he's uh, the type of center forward that I think ages well. Uh, I think he still has some in the tank, but I, apparently that has been you know debunked, so he's not really an option. You know, honestly, I, I'm, equally look warm on all the options that have been thrown around like I think I think they're all guys who are not at their peak who you're kind of buying low on them and, and hoping they can somehow you know scrunch up six months of, of some top level play that they have shown to be able to, to perform at you know whether that happens or not who knows I'm, I'm really look warm on all, all options uh, just from a likability standpoint, I, I, I'd rather not have Mauro Icardi. But really, on the field, I, I just don't see a whole bunch of difference from him to Obama Young to look, it, Just in terms of what they're going to bring to the field, I just don't see a whole bunch of difference. If, if they have to do it, I'm fine with them bringing any of them, really. I, I have no preference. Of
1: that list, the guy with the most
3: upside
1: would be Origi. Just because he is relatively young. You know, he's still at an age where he can prove his talent. He still is playing for Belgium relatively regularly, even though he doesn't get a lot of minutes at Liverpool. Uh, whether or not that says something about himself or something about Roberto Martinez, just not liking to change his roster up a lot is debatable. But you know, like like Sergio said, I don't I don't think I don't want Icardi around at all. Obama Yang just looks like he's going through the motions these days. Maybe that's just because he's sick of Arsenal, but you know, he's, he's having those disciplinary issues. He's also, he's, he's missed some really si- simple chances with Arsenal this year that just make you wonder, you know, what, what's, what the heck has been going on. So, yeah, I, I think that Origi is probably the best bet out of that list to be the the guy that, to come in just because i think his upside is highest
0: or yeah yeah no i agree uh, just a quick comment um i would i would go for origi as well i think he has indeed like you said the most upside um however i doubt i think it's actually very unlikely because salah and mane are leaving for uh african combination so they're going to be pretty thin liverpool are going to be pretty thin up front already anyway so uh just because of that i really doubt he would uh Or that Liverpool let him go. So, um, unfortunately, because, yeah, indeed, from that list, I think he's probably the best one. I think.
2: When's the last time Juventus and Liverpool did business? Was it when Christian Paulson went to the Premier
1: League?
0: you're putting me on the spot there. That's some trivia. Trivia.
1: I think it is. Got to be. No, there's. Okay. No, I think there's some. I could have sworn there was something. I can't think of anything. I could have sworn there was something more recent than that. It
2: wasn't Momo Dino, Chucks. (laughs)
0: Momo my <laughs> <sucker>. God, <laughs> the one, the legend, the hero, <laughs> my man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one of those two. One is one is more entertaining than the other. Let's just That's say right. it like that.
2: We will wrap things up with a Twitter question from our our buddy David Desberg at the True ROC. Juventus New Year's resolutions for 2022. Do you guys have any? Like, say, Aaron Ramsey, either get fit or potentially just leave
3: as yeah, so just leave really it's really <laughs> only one choice uh yeah i i guess as a whole I, I i'd enjoy it if they showed any sort of any sort of consistency moving forward i think would be would be fine that you know in, in form information something that really lets you to believe that there is you know some Growth happening, some something to build off of. Whether they they can mount a a title challenge this year, which seems unlikely. Whether they they're mostly gunning for the top four spot, which seems to be the way the way the season is going. But I would like to see them just just try to get into rhythm. Just stop being that you know you know stop and go Juventus that we have seen from the last two three years. I think just getting into a rhythm, getting their players playing in a system that, that they know how to play in, just building that consistency. I, I think I think that's really, really the biggest thing that Juventus can do in, in 2022. Now, obviously, it, there's COVID, there's injuries, there's a bunch of things that can happen to derail that that are out of their hands, but assuming none of that happens, that's that's pretty much what i would like to see just some level of consistency would be pretty uh, a pretty good thing for for juventus in 2022 for me it would be score goals like
1: for goodness sake score more goals like that's that's just you know if there's there's been there's just so many problems in front of goal this year and and if you if we finally start picking up and scoring more than a goal a game, then score enough goals and the points will follow. By the way, Danny, your, the answer to your question. I was just looking through it the last time. I think the last time Juventus and Liverpool did business was Alberto Aquilani in 2010.
2: That one year loan deal. One year loan. Yeah. When he was actually somewhat good. And then did he get hurt? Yeah, probably he always got hurt for like six yeah, months he was, was good
1: yeah He was it, it was with us for a year he was with Milan for a year then he got transferred to Fiorentina spent a couple of years there I believe he is currently a
2: Fiorentina youth coach we might have to he is
1: he is can, the head of the, he know. is the head coach of uh, of their Primavera right now yeah
0: and it seems like he broke up with his uh girlfriend Michela quattro choque which um say that three times fast yeah yeah or four times <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah now it took a second <laughs> yeah, come on now <laughs> You, you all think I don't know Italian. Come on now. <laughs> Even though I'm far removed from Italy. But yeah, my New Year's resolution. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it quite simple. <laughs> Crying out loud. Sort it out with Paolo Di Bala's contract. Either sign this extension or don't. Just like just sort it out. Just do something. Something, anything. Um, it's, it, I mean, they're just the most absurd contract negotiations I've, that I've ever seen in my life. You know, in the time that I followed football. So, um, I mean, you know, extend them, keep him or just let him go. I don't know, but just figure it out so that we can plan for the future. So yeah, that's, uh, that's mine. Plan for the future. Come on. We're yeah.
2: just talking about Alvaro Murata leaving six months early.
0: Uh, well, you know what they say? Uh, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. <laughs>
1: Um, when you when you've had a when you've had a president of the club whose plan for three years whose plan up until the day George Mendez walked up to him and said get me out of here, get my man out of there was Cristiano Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo and Cristiano Ronaldo then you've just got to you've got to come up with something else unfortunately right now this runoff office isn't as isn't nimble enough to do it quickly.
2: Yeah, but look at all those IG followers
0: we got
1: gold, gold, man. Oh, Solid the vanity metrics. That's right. And That's like as, as, as reliable as Bitcoin. That's right. Like, nah,
0: get on the doge, bro.
1: Get on the, the doge. doge. And get. Doge. Yeah, might as well just tr- convert the entire team's worth into NFTs, right?
0: That's right. Pay as, long pay as, he, as long as Elon says it, then I'll, I'll do it. As long as Elon says it,
2: you, there are things I'll say to that that I want to say to that, but I will.
1: Hey, at least you paid his earn- taxes
0: this year, supposedly.
1: Elon Musk is the only man in the world who's got a face more punchable than Ted Cruz. That's right. And and on that
2: note, we'll wrap things up. You Thank can you cut that much. out if you want. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Old Lady Speaks podcast uh, and sending in your Twitter questions. As always, you can send them to us at Juventus nation on Twitter. You can follow us there as well as on Facebook at black and white and red all over. You can also use that same search tool for us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, or Spotify. So for Sam, for Chuck's and for Sergio, this is Danny saying, thank you very much for listening. And for the first time in a few weeks, we'll see you guys next week after Juventus plays again.